We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report, your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. Usaid, we are recording this episode on April 21st. It's a Wednesday here, eight days away from the NFL draft. So about a week here, you know, by the time this episode comes out and the draft will be upon us on April 29th on Thursday, uh, exciting time right now in the NFL as we speak, Usaid, just a really frantic time when you're looking at all the storylines and all the rumors coming out and you know we've been seeing a bunch of rumors over the past week or so and a lot of intriguing stuff because a lot of these are going to be involving the bears with a lot of teams in the, in the top 10 of this draft a lot of rumors here about these guys about these teams looking to trade down and, and get extra picks here and the bears could be in play for that i'm doing well man you know obviously this offseason just seems like it's been so much longer and i feel like the whole reason is because once again you still have COVID-19 going on. And so there's not really the traditional pro days that we're really accustomed to. And then there wasn't the NFL draft, the scouting, or there wasn't the NFL scouting combine, I should say. And then on top of that, traditionally this time of year, the third week of April, because of the way the calendar falls, we should be having the draft. But this year it's a week later than it's supposed to be for whatever reason. And I don't see that being a trend moving forward for the listeners, by the way, but it was just a week later this year for whatever reason. And so kind of the extended wait makes it like a really long and slow off season. And then you just factor in that teams are meeting with guys virtually, but there's only so much meetups you can do. There's not really prospects flying out to the team facility, the traditional 30 visits that teams get every single year. And so really this draft cycle overall, while it's been a bit better than last year's, cause we didn't have anything last year. It was pretty much just, Hey, these are the dates of the NFL draft. And that's going to be this year's been a bit more back to normal, but it still hasn't been fully normal, which has made it for just like a really slow and kind of painful NFL draft cycle. Yeah, it's I think the lack of the NFL combine is really what gets me uh, in terms of this thing just being so long. And, you know, if if I'm wrong on this, I, I I might be wrong on this, but. I think the draft has been, you know, pushed back to later dates. It seems like in recent years, so that might be playing into it as well. Personally, I just see no reason why the draft should be this late in April. I feel like by the time we get to the beginning of this month, every team has 
well, by the time it gets done with pro days, essentially, basically, I feel like every team has their boards finalized and they have a strategy of, of what they want to do. So this period here over the last two weeks or so, I feel like it's just dead time until we get to the draft. There's just nothing going on. I, I just feel like, I feel like that's kind of uh, unneeded uh, at this point, but hey, it, it is what it is at this point. Um, in terms of like some interesting storylines, you said, like I said before, a lot of teams looking to trade back. Um, and we're, we're hearing rumors, especially with the Carolina Panthers and Dallas Cowboys in general, those two teams looking to trade back. We know about the Atlanta Falcons at four. From a Bears perspective here, I feel like Atlanta is a bit unrealistic here. For one, I feel like Atlanta wants to stay at number four and get an impact player like Kyle Pitts. Um, interesting note, I, I saw this on Twitter today. Apparently Kyle Pitts, the only NFL team he's following on Instagram right now is the Atlanta Falcons. So go figure <laughs> there. So um, that, that could be in the, in the works there. I don't feel like the Bengals want to trade out. I don't feel like Miami wants to trade out. Um, so you're looking at things here. It, it's going to get really interesting when we get to Detroit. Could they want to trade out? Uh, you know, I don't think they would trade the Bears in the division. They're not going to let them get a quarterback. I just don't see that happening. But, you know, I feel like the highest the Bears will be able to trade up in this draft, you say, is Carolina at eight. We know about the trade for Sam Darnold. You know, what are your thoughts on this situation here? And it's going to kind of tie into what we're doing today uh, for our episode with our mock drafts today. But, you know, what are your thoughts on this trade down situation and, and where that leads the Bears in all of this? It's certainly an interesting situation because if you look at the way the draft lines up, okay, you have quarterbacks that are going to go one, two, three. Now that third overall pick, it's quite likely that the Bears draft plans hinge on what the 49ers do. Cause I know we touched on this last week, but I'll kind of just refresh the listeners. If the 49ers take Mac Jones or Trey Lance, that means Justin Fields is slipping. Now the Bears need to get super aggressive and maybe then you trade up with the Atlanta Falcons. But if the 49ers take Fields, which by the way, they were super involved in Trey Lance's workout and Justin Fields workout to the point where they actually had specific drills set aside that only Kyle Shanahan wanted to see. So the 49ers are doing all their homework on quarterbacks, but then it's like, you look at it. Okay. Atlanta, they're probably going to want a impact player for Matt Ryan. Cause they're strapped into his contract for another two to three years, Cincinnati and Miami, you look at, so two teams that drafted quarterbacks in the top five last year, Joe Burrow to Tagovailoa, they could trade out, but they could also use some impact players here. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Panay say, well, Detroit at seven is interesting because really do you see a team trade within the division, especially in the NFL draft, more so even when it involves top 10 picks. I just don't see Brad Holmes, the new general manager, they're kind of striking a deal with the Bears. I know in past mock drafts, I've kind of floated the idea around of, okay, well, you know what? What if the Bears do trade with the Lions? Well, let's be realistic about it. I just don't – those are all scenarios that we can play with. But, I mean, one in a million scenarios tend to just really be realistic in the NFL. So Detroit's kind of a wild card. Don't see it happening. Unless there's a team that trades back with Detroit and then the Bears facilitate a trade with that third team to jump into number seven, then maybe you have something – but realistically don't expect the seventh overall pick to really be in play. And then you have Carolina, you have Denver, you have Dallas, three teams that I think are realistic. You look at the Panthers. I mean, yeah, they could take a quarterback, but then why would you be taking a quarterback? Because there's also rumors and this has pretty much been confirmed that they're going to be picking up Sam Darnold's fifth year option, which means two more years of Sam Darnold. I believe at like a price tag of 25 million. Denver, you look at, okay, they have Drew Locke, but they're in the market seemingly for a veteran quarterback this offseason. Maybe a guy like Nick Foles or maybe a guy like Gardner Minshew, just someone that's not going to entirely come in and replace Drew Locke, but someone that's going to kind of push Drew Locke. Dallas at 10th overall. Okay, so Dallas is interesting because they have their franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott, just signed him to a brand new four-year deal. They have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. They need to overhaul the defensive side of the ball. Maybe with Dallas, they decide, hey, it's just best for us to trade out to kind of rebuild a defense that was ranked like 31 or 32 in the league last year. So realistically, with the Bears, you're sitting there at 20, and you realize that your best shot of getting into the top 10 is either going to be with Carolina, Denver, or Dallas. Yeah, Dallas could be really interesting because you kind of said it there. They, you know, they had one of the worst defenses in the league last season. They have a ton of needs on that side of the ball. They have an aging offensive line. 
And the thing with Dallas is they have a very expensive roster now because they paid back Prescott. They're paying all their stars big money now in second contracts. So they're in a situation to where they need draft picks. And Carolina, too, they need draft picks as well. And the interesting thing about Carolina is not only do they need draft picks, they need future draft picks. They, they gave up future second-round pick, a future fourth-round pick. They need future picks to offset the losses in those draft picks. So where that comes interesting and in play here is that the Bears, I don't think they they want to give up this year's picks if they're trying for a quarterback because I think they're all in on trying to win this year, even with a rookie quarterback in, in tow here. So I think they would be willing, Ryan Pace, to give up an extra, you know, future pick. Say, let's say, uh, you know, he wants to trade up there, gives up a future first-round pick, which I think would be, you know, happening regardless. But instead of giving up a pick this year, like a third-round pick this year, he would try and convince the Panthers to take on a third-round pick next year uh, from the Bears. So that that leaves two interesting situations there. I think the most likely situation is Carolina because I think the Bears will want to jump Denver. And it's possible that Denver could try to trade up as well to get a quarterback. Um, you know, we could see that being a possibility there. Uh, but like I said before, I think those are probably the two most likely spots, but it all depends here because I, I think if it's Trey Lance falling to that around that area, I think we're going to see a deal happen, or at least the bears will be very aggressive to try and make a deal happen. You know, if it's Mac Jones, I don't know. We'll see if it's Justin Fields. You better, you betcha, you know, that Ryan Pace and uh, the Bears are going to be trying to trade up into the area to try to get uh, Justin Fields there. He falls that far. So that's all about, I'll say there. But all that kind of said, you know, that, that kind of leads us into the topic for today's episode. And that's our final mock draft, our, our mock draft 2.0, if you will, for the 2021 NFL draft. So very exciting episode. It's going to be kind of be playing out to where it kind of did last time we did it for our mock draft 1.0 at the beginning of this draft cycle uh, during, you know, the very early onset of this off season. So what we're going to be doing here, going over our general strategy for this draft, what we use for our mock draft, uh, just going pick by pick down what we did, what our thought process was, you know, how we evaluated that pick there and the value for that pick Um and then at the end, what we're going to do is we're going to grade or I wouldn't say grade, but evaluate each other's graphs and drafts and uh, give our thoughts and feedback on how we think that would affect the Bears moving forward here, not only for 2021, but going forward into the future for 2022 and beyond. So we're going to get into that right away coming up here for, for now. But but first, what we're going to do is we're going to take our first step away here for a quick break and a word from our sponsor. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here at Pixel Pace going over our mock draft 2.0. And you say before we get started here, I'm going to throw out one thing here that we did different for this mock draft. In our first mock draft, we did no trades whatsoever. So it was basically you stay at where you picked um, and you just drafted whoever you thought was best player available or best value available or best need to address there at that pick. And another thing to take into account, the uh, compensatory picks that were used for that last draft weren't 100% official as of yet. The, the uh, compensatory picks in this one are official. So we're using the official uh, draft board as it's going to be when the NFL draft takes place in about a week or so here. So that's important to take note. So we're doing trades here. With that said, you said, you know, in the first round, it's pretty interesting here because you could pretty much go to two or really three options here, either trade up, stay at your pick and go best player available or trade back and try to get extra picks. So you said, what did you do in the first round for your mock draft? We'll start off with you. First pick, here's what I did. I, by the way, let me just disclose this. I use pro football focuses mock draft simulator just to be consistent all across the board. And I know we used the same one the last time, but this time we use different things, but I use pro football focus. First pick, here's what I did. I traded up with the Broncos. So jumped from 20th overall all the way up to ninth overall, gave up a 2022 first round pick in the process, but I grabbed Trey Lance from North Dakota State quarterback. 
interesting aggressive move we were talking about that early in our intro that you know trading up to that area of the draft was probably gonna be the sweet spot for a trade-up and that is pretty interesting right there what was your process in terms of uh making that selection and making the trade-up for that I mean, I think overall you look at it, the Bears know they need a quarterback. Let's be honest. The last time that the franchise traded up for a quarterback was Mitch Trubisky. Mike Lennon was obviously not the most serviceable bridge quarterback. Now you have a guy in Andy Dalton. Now you have a guy that is not going to be the greatest in the world. He's not going to elevate his teammates at all. He's not going to elevate the offense. But he's good enough to keep what has been a sinking ship over the last couple of years of flow. And it's really a guy that Trey Lance can learn behind. Now you look at Trey Lance, he's played in a variety of formations at North Dakota state has played in some two tight end sets as well. He's athletic enough to the point where, okay, he can be a pocket passer, but also roll out of the pocket to make plays has some really good mobility as well. Overall, just a really solid, well-rounded prospect that, People have to understand, I know we've highlighted on this show a couple times, Trey Lance is only a one-year starter, but him being a one-year starter was not necessarily his fault. It's not his fault as all, as a matter of fact. It's more so because of COVID-19, something that he couldn't control. Lance is raw. He's going to be a year-long project, but realistically for the Bears in this scenario, they do have a good enough bridge quarterback to the point where I think Trey Lance can learn under – Andy Dalton, similar to how Patrick Mahomes learned from Alex Smith in Kansas City about five years ago, and then develop into a solid starting quarterback. Yeah, I describe Trey Lance as the blank slate quarterback in this draft class. Has all the physical tools, all the mental acumen you want from a quarterback prospect going to this thing. It's just the lack of experience, the lack of refinement, and the small level of competition it is worrisome here. So he's a guy that needs some time. I think going to a place like Chicago where he won't be uh, pressured to start right away with a veteran like Andy Dalton as a starter. I think that makes a lot of sense here. Uh, moving on to my mock draft here. So you said you mentioned it that uh, we did different things for our mock drafts here. And for anyone that was following me on Twitter, um, I was recently in a live mock draft for my first live mock draft with, you know, 32, 31, I said, Shay. Uh, other uh, pseudo GMs, basically just other writers here uh, for the draft or for other team sites. Um, really fun event. Uh, you know, had a lot of fun putting that together. It lasted about a week. Uh, just so much, so much fun to put that together. Great opportunity to kind of see, you know, kind of act like a, a you know, a GM for your team and, and uh, kind of go through the motions of what an actual NFL draft would be like to an extent. Obviously, it's not the real thing, of course, because, you know, my job isn't on the line with if I make a bad pick or not, obviously, but uh, still a very fun experience overall. And for anyone that was following me on Twitter, I did post my results for that. And I originally, for that specific thing, um, I originally traded back in the first round, getting an extra fourth round pick at 107 overall from the New York Jets, trading back from 20 to 23. And then I traded 23 to the Baltimore Ravens for Orlando Brown Jr. to be the Bears' new starting left tackle, long-term solution at left tackle. Orlando Brown Jr., Pro Bowl-level talent at that position. However, I'm going to be doing a different approach here. So what is going to be happening here is I'm using the same, I guess, draft board, if that makes sense, uh, from what occurred in that draft, except that I'm switching out instead of, trading that first round pick to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm just going to, I'm just staying at 23 and going with the best player available approach uh, for that draft pick here. So that changes everything uh, for this draft here, because what ended up happening was I ended up swapping third round picks with the Baltimore Ravens in that draft. So instead of doing that, I'm staking at 83 in the third round. So we're clearing that up right here, right away. So I'm keeping all those draft picks right here. Um, not trading for a veteran or Leonard Brown Jr. but it's going to be the same kind of basic general uh, board, so to speak, of who I drafted for anyone that saw what I tweeted there. But for those who haven't, uh, here's my first round pick selection here after trading back down here in this scenario here uh, with the New York Jets at 23. And that is drafting offensive tackle Samuel Cosme from Texas. So my thinking here was at this point in the drafts, uh, all the quarterbacks that I wanted to draft here, I wanted to get one of the top four guys. I was not interested in drafting Mac Jones. 
I know a lot of people are high on him. I see him as a second round prospect here. I do not see him as a first round prospect. I did not want to reach for Mac Jones. I don't think he has the type of upside that I want to take a reach on at that point in the draft. So I figured at that point, because the, four, the quarterbacks, the top four, spoiler alert, by the way, they went in the first four picks. So no chance I was able to get one of the top four quarterbacks. If one would have fallen to the eight to 10 range, I probably would have traded up and, and drafted one. But in this scenario, not happening here. So I, I decided with a lot of offensive tackles that I liked on the board, I decided to trade down to 23 here, get an extra fourth round pick because the Bears do need an extra fourth round pick, I feel like, to address a wide variety of needs there. Um, get the extra pick there. And then whoever was the best tackle available, I was going to pick him at 23. And lo and behold, Sam and Cosme falls right into my lap. Is between him and Tevin Jenkins, who are both on the board. I decided to go with Sam and Cosme here because I value the left tackle slightly a little bit more than the right tackle. I know it's kind of old school thinking, but the way I see it here, you know, you have Charles Zeno Jr. going to the final year of his deal. In this scenario, you could probably move on from Charles Zeno and save a lot more cap space than when you would uh, cutting a Jermaine Ifedi, uh, for instance, at right tackle position. Cosme is a guy, three-year starter, just an absolute uh, beast of an athlete here, a rare athlete for the position, uh, off the charts, testing numbers at his pro day, a guy that needs some technical refinement, but with his athletic ability, with his length, which with his physical tools, he's a guy that I think can start right away. So it opens up a ton of possibilities for the offensive line. And I think he's a guy that could be a long-term starter at the position. And he's a kind of, player that I think the Bears will value because uh, with Matt Nagy as a head coach, they valued more athletic uh, prospects in the draft. So I think getting Cosme here, a great athlete here, experienced player, I think he's a safe prospect, uh, relatively speaking, for the offensive tackle position. I just like that value of 23, and I think he's a guy that could be a long-term solution at left tackle going forward. I really like Cosme because for our listeners who don't know, while I did have him kind of ranked as a tier two prospect when we did the offensive tackle preview a couple weeks ago. I will say this, Cosme started 21 games at left tackle. Ultimately, you look at him, he's going to be a guy that if the Bears draft, they're going to make, he'll make the rest of the offensive line more expendable because now you have a player who has started about 40 games over, I think it's three or four years at Texas. He's played on the left side. He's played on the right side. Really the bears will have an opportunity to experiment. And I think just another thing to add on to this is the bears value versatility in their offensive linemen. I mean, you look at Jermaine Effetti started off the year playing right guard for the bears moved out to right tackle. And then Cody white. Here's another one traditionally played left guard at Kansas state all those years ago. Boom, moved all the way over to center as a rookie. Another name, James Daniels, Iowa kid, all right? Played center at Iowa, moved over to left tackle. Alex Barnes is another one who last year split time between left guard, right guard, as well as right tackle. So really, Cosme is one of the guys in this draft class that is going to be a true tackle at the next level. It's just going to be a matter of, is he going to be on the left side or the right side? And I think for the Bears, they would be okay with having him start out on the right side and then transition over to the left side. Yeah, that's also a scenario that could play out as well. They could see him starting right away at right tackle, let Leno play out his contract, and then maybe switch him over to left tackle uh, going into his second year when he has a little bit more seasoning under, under him. That could be a possibility as well. Either way, Cosme, a lot of value, a lot of upside, a lot of value there uh, in the first round at 23. All right, so that moves us to the second round now. You said, I'll go with you here. Who is your second round pick after making that bold trade-up to get Trey Lance in the first round? Disclaimer, like I mentioned earlier, I was able to keep both of the Bears' second and third round picks, so that would be 52 and 83. And at 52nd overall, I got Trey Lance's teammate, Dylan Radunes. I think that if you're going to continue to build around a young quarterback like him, you need to get someone that is really familiar with Trey Lance as well as the chemistry. So lo and behold, second round Dylan Redunes is the player that I took. I think that athleticism's really good. All right. Has plays with excellent technique. All right. Great balance is a nasty blocker in the run game. Really everything needed to excel at the NFL level as a offensive tackle that's what Dylan Redunes possesses and I believe he's like 6'6 305 so maybe you could see a team ask him to add on a couple more 
pounds of muscle, but I don't see that being a real big issue. I think that when we look at a player like Redunds, we have to understand that in any other draft class, he would have been the small school first round guy, first round offensive tackle that would have gone in round one. But because this is such a deep draft class and you have players from bigger programs like Derisaw from Virginia Tech, Eichenberg from Notre Dame, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, Jackson Carmen from Clemson. You have a handful of names that obviously played at bigger schools than Redunds did, and that's why Redunds has kind of slipped through the cracks. But I still think as a second-round pick and as a guy who went to North Dakota State, he's still a day-one starter. Yeah, getting both the, uh, the big-name North Dakota State prospects is something that I think is going to make a lot of the fans up there really happy and make a lot of Bears fans up there in North Dakota for sure. Uh, Redunds is very interesting because I think it's very possible that he could go in the first round. I think he's one of those guys that's kind of a borderline or viewed as a borderline first round, second round type of talent there. Uh, if you were to fall to 52 for the Bears there, that would be an absolute steal. I think that's a great value to get him there. He's a guy that I think could start right away at left tackle or you could put him at right tackle, uh, similar to Sam Cosme, uh, to start year one and then maybe flip him over to left tackle for his second year once he gets seasoning under his belt. Uh, that's a great value in the second round. I can definitely see that being the case uh, for my second round pick. So this is a situation where I was looking to trade back here in the second round because I like the value in the third round for this draft. Uh, however, we had a rule in uh, our mock draft, our live mock draft that you were only limited to two trades for the entire mock draft, just to keep everything kind of moving briskly. And I wanted to save my second trade. Uh, in case I wanted to make a move for a veteran quarterback, for instance, or just if there's someone I really liked on day three that I wanted to move up for, I wanted to keep that pick. And there was some value here in the second round that I liked. I was really hoping to get Creed Humphrey here, but he literally went the pick right before me. Uh, Atlanta traded back and got the 51st pick uh, with Washington. So uh, they got Creed Humphrey, literally the pick right before me. And I was like livid when that happened because I wanted Humphrey so bad. Uh, but I ended up getting a good value here, I think, in tight end Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. And a lot of Bear fans might be freaking out, you know, why are we taking a tight end in back-to-back drafts in the second round? And my answer to that, to that is, you know, Fryermuth at this point in the draft, he was my best player available. I see him as a late first-round type of talent here at tight end. And the thing to keep in mind here with him and Cole Komet is that they kind of place different positions here. Cole Komet is your traditional Y tight end. Pat Fryermuth is your traditional or more of your traditional U tight end for this offense, more of your natural receiver that'll split up wide or in the slot and move all around the formation for your offense. And I, you know, I look at this thing here, Jimmy Graham, you know, you can save $7 million in cap space. The bears, they need to save salary cap to sign their rookie class and, um, you know, have some space going into the year in case they want to make any in season signings. So, what this does right away is Pratt Frymuth, he's got a pro-ready game. He's got a lot of experience under his belt at Penn State. He's a guy that's ready to play right away, relatively speaking, to tight ends. I know tight ends, it usually takes a year for them to develop, but Frymuth has a pro-ready game for the tight end position or as close to a pro-ready game as a tight end will have. So he's a guy that can step in right away, I think, at that U spot. Uh, you can kind of work him into the rotation a little bit early in the year and this gives you flexibility to pretty much just cut Jimmy Graham flat out outright and save some cap space right away and get younger at the position. So now you're set up here. If you're the Bears, you have your tight ends of the future, you know, under contract on rookie deals, on cheap rookie deals for the next three years here. And that's invaluable, I think, for this offense that does value the tight end position quite a bit, gives them a lot of flexibility with 12 personnel. And again, like I said, Pratt Farmouth was the best player available on my board. So I went in that direction here, getting another weapon for this offense. Freer is really interesting because there was a lot of talk going into the 2021 draft process, just going all the way back to the summer that he was the consensus tight end one on a lot of people's draft boards. But then some guy named Kyle Pitts just heavily emerged. But Freermuth is legitimately that good. I think that in this Bears offense, and you kind of alluded to, or really in any offense, Pat Freermuth could essentially be the second coming of Travis Kelsey. Now, is he as athletic and as physical as Kelsey? Not really, but he's still pretty up, pretty much up there. And I would say like Travis Kelsey light. I think when you look at Freermuth, you realize that he's going to be an offensive player that teams are going to be able to build around a core part of teams' game plans because offensive coordinators are going to be able to move him all over the place. And we see teams do this all the time with tight ends where the tight end is kind of like 
the unicorn or like you could say the one trick pony or just a versatile chess piece that offensive coordinators and head coaches, they move all over the place because they realize, Hey, if a tight end's on the left side of the formation, that opens up something on the right side. If the tight ends on the right side, it opens up something on the left side, really the tight end and free a perfect example of this is going to be a player that is going to be able to dictate a lot of matchups and just open up the entire offense. Yeah, it's all about getting matchup problems, and I think that's something that really helps out the rest of the Bears' offense, especially a guy like Tariq Cohen, who will be now be going up against linebackers mostly in this scenario. Uh, helps out your offense in a variety of ways, I think. Uh, so moving on to the third round here, who's your pick in the third round at 83? Another smaller school guy, and I know he's one of your favorites too, but it's Western Michigan's Dwayne Eskridge. I think that when you look at him, some players or some people are going to say, well, he should be a fourth or a fifth round pick. I firmly believe that had we had an actual combine this year, Eskridge would have been one of the highest risers out of Indianapolis. I looked into his background, so he's a former defensive back, but played wide receiver as well. And that's just because Western Michigan had injuries that they dealt with when Eskridge was there. Now you look at him, I think that he is a deep threat. All right. Really good route tree. All right. Kind of a speedster as well. So he's a player that can take the top off the defense. I think right now, and he's a magnificent blocker as well, both in the run game and just on special teams as well. Overall with Eskridge, what is this? I firmly believe him coming out right now. He's so mature. He's a player that, would be a significant upgrade over anything that the bears are expected to have at wide receiver three in 2021, which in this case is going to be Anthony Miller. Yeah. You know me, I love me some Dwayne Eskridge. He's one of my favorite players in this draft class. And that ended up being my pick as well. at 83. Now, originally in uh, the other version of this mock draft for me, uh, for this live mock draft, I swapped picks in the third round to 104 with the Baltimore Ravens. I ended up selecting Jalen Darden of North Texas with that pick. Uh, but in this scenario, I view Eskridge as the better player than Darden, getting him at 83. Uh, great value here for me. And uh, like you said, Eskridge, he just brings a lot of speed and explosiveness to the table. He's a guy that can take the top off of a defense. He's a guy that you give him the ball in space. He's more than you know capable of taking the ball to the distance uh, on short routes, on slants and uh, cross, short crossers, screens. Uh, all that stuff, type of stuff, gadget plays. Uh, he's got speed for days here. And you add that to what you already have with Allen Robinson as a true number one, a possession wide receiver on third downs to Darnell Mooney, who is another speed, quick twitch type of player for you already. Now you're looking at this receiving core. It's a lot more dangerous um, on the outside there or in the slot with Dwayne Eskridge bringing that speed element here. And like you said, um, I, I do think he still has a ways to go with his route running because uh, he had a limited route tree at Western Michigan. But uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. He's very crisp in his cuts. I actually wrote a sky report on him today for the Bear Report that will be coming out soon, um, kind of going over some of those things. And, yeah, I, I love Eskridge here. He's great value in the third round. This is kind of the sweet spot, in my opinion, if the Bears are going to be looking for some of these uh, undersized but speedy quick twitch slot wide receivers there are so many of them in this draft uh Eskridge I see him as a borderline second round talent and at 83 middle of the third round uh that's great value for a guy right there uh so that takes us to day three for this draft um so I'll go with my pick here in the fourth round because I believe uh you do not have a fourth round pick is that correct for your mock draft I do not have a fourth round pick I have a fifth round one though which would be 164 Okay, got it. So uh, so I do have a fourth-round pick here, and that's because of the trade back with the New York Jets here um, in the first round. So with that fourth-round pick at 107, uh, I ended up drafting, this is the same for both versions of this mock draft for me, cornerback Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. So Ambry Thomas, a guy out, out of Michigan, very good athlete. Uh, he opted out of the 2020 season, so he was a guy that didn't have a ton of starting experience, but he looks solid in his 2019 tape and is a guy that a lot of people were kind of projecting as that a guy that could be a top 50 player in the class, you know, with some additional seasoning uh, in 2020, but obviously did not play show up at the senior bowl, played very well at the senior bowl uh, was very impressive, but I'm not sure that's enough to get him in the day two conversation. So he's a guy early day three. I like the value here as a guy that uh, about five eleven, uh, about 200 pounds, I believe, Good athlete, like I said, has the ability to play 
outside or inside in the slot. And I think he's a guy that's at his best when he's allowed to be physical at the line of scrimmage, um, allowed to play in the short zone areas of the field. Um, and that's where I really like him here. So Amory Thomas, you know, the, the Bears, they need cornerback depth badly at this point. I don't think he'll be a guy that'll be a difference maker for the secondary. But if you're looking for, for some additional depth here at this point in the draft here, a guy that can play a variety of different spots in the secondary for you at cornerback, uh, Thomas, I think he's a good value in the fourth round in a deep cornerback class. He's the best cornerback available for me, so I'm going with him here in the fourth round. I really like Ambry Thomas, and I think people have to understand regarding him is that he opted out of the 2020 season just because, again, the Big Ten only played eight games, and there are a handful of good players like Thomas is of Tom, like Thomas that went ahead and opted out. But it's kind of like you mentioned. I mean, Thomas is a pretty physical corner. All right. He, I always thought just watching him at Michigan, especially in 2019 was always best in press coverage. And I think that that's going to translate really well over to the NFL. Yeah. I think the biggest thing here is like the year off. How does he translate then uh, to the NFL? He looked good at the senior bowl. So I think he'll be a guy that's going to be ready to go right away. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh, again, this is a guy that was getting day two talk uh, before the season. So uh, somebody that has some upside here, a good athletic profile, and I, I like his physicality line of scrimmage. So a uh, good add, I think, in my opinion, to the secondary here. That brings us to the fifth round. Where'd you go there with your first pick on day three for your mock draft? I went with Oklahoma cornerback Trey Brown. When you look at Trey Brown, played about 50 games over the last couple of years. Did spend his entire career essentially as an outside cornerback. What I like about him is there's an aggressive demeanor, okay? So he's not going to be afraid or he's not going to be shy to kind of get after it and get into some hand fights with posing offensive playmakers, squats from the start at the line of scrimmage. All right. Um, but one thing that I need to, one thing that you have to understand with Brown or that is a major red flag for Brown is that there are times where throughout all the hand fighting and stuff, he grabs players too much, which then kind of leads to penalties. And so that's just something that that's an aspect of his game. He really needs to be able to clear up, but overall he's a player that has played outside. I do think that at the NFL level, a team could experiment with him inside just because he's not the tallest guy on the planet. I mean, he's only like five, eight or five, nine is like 190 pounds. Those types of players with those measurables at the NFL level tend to just translate better into slot cornerbacks. Yeah. Trey Brown was somebody, he was at the senior bowl as well. He was somebody that competed really hard in the one-on-one drills really impressed in those drills. So he's somebody that I would definitely be on board to add uh, to the Bears secondary. And if in the fifth round, that's a very good value for a guy that does have some physical upside here, in my opinion, and Trey Brown. I, I like that fit in the fifth round. Uh, so for my fifth round pick, uh, in my original uh, live mock draft here, I selected Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest quarterback um, to kind of be a developmental prospect at this point. I didn't have any trades left, so this wasn't a situation where I was looking to trade for a veteran at this point. But now that I do have a trade available, I, I, you know, before the draft even started, this is something I discussed with uh, the writer that was running the Jacksonville Jaguars about a, a potential Gardner Minshew trade. And he gave me the price was a fifth-round pick here. So with my fifth-round pick, it, I went with Gardner Minshew here uh, to be the backup quarterback here kind of long-term for the Bears. Um, so with the with the uh, 164th pick, trading that to Jacksonville for Gardner Minshew, who's got two years left on his deal, very cheap deal as well. So he counts almost nothing against the cap. Uh, a player that I view as a low-end starter, high-end backup in this league, he might be a guy that could be a low-end starter long-term in the NFL for a long time. And here's my thinking on this. Uh, you said um, – Looking at the situation for, for the Bears here, I think it is dependent on how comfortable they feel with the ability to move on from Nick Foles. Like if they do feel like they can find a trade partner for Nick Foles, I think they'll, they could be in a situation to where they would make this trade for Garner Minshew. Now, if they don't feel like they're, they can make a trade for Nick Foles and they're kind of stuck with them, then I think that opens the door to maybe take more of a project with this fifth round pick like Jamie Newman, who, you know, is kind of like a old expression here where usually you're like, a guy will be kind of described if he's like a raw prospect being like two years away from being anything. Well, Jamie Newman, he's two years away from being two years away. If, if that makes sense. Like he is not ready whatsoever to be on an NFL football field uh, playing significant snaps right now. Um, 
but he has a lot of physical upside. So in the fifth round, you kind of take a chance on that. Let him develop for a couple of years and maybe see what you got. In this scenario, Gardner Minshew is already showing that he has the ability to be a low-level starter in this league, maybe even quite potentially an upgrade to Andy Dalton already, but I think Andy Dalton would be the starter in this scenario. Gardner Minshew, what, what this is, is, is this is insurance for in case that Andy Dalton doesn't play well at the beginning of the year. You need to go with a young quarterback here to kind of sell the fans on um, if the offense does sputter a little bit. Uh, he's one of the better backups in the league already here with Minshew. And he's under contract for one more year after 2021. So if you're in a situation to where if you're in another cap crunch here, and let's say that Andy Dalton doesn't quite impress uh, this season, well, guess what? You, you can realistically roll with Gardner Minshew as your bridge quarterback, so to speak, for another year um, in 2022 and still feel pretty good about it. And he's on a very cheap deal. So Gardner Minshew, I think, is a guy that could be a very good player in this league. Uh, I don't know if very good is the right word, but I think he could be a solid starting starting quarterback in this league and going to a situation where he's reuniting with John Filippo, who was his offensive coordinator in 2019. They have familiarity together there uh, from their time in Jacksonville. Um, I think that would be an interesting move if it were to happen. And uh, again, like I said, if they don't feel like they can move Nick Foles, this probably doesn't happen anyway. But uh, Gardner Minshew here um, with the fifth round pick, I think it's very good value for a guy that, already has starting experience and you know some decent amount of upside here as well um on a cheap contract Minshew in chicago would certainly be interesting and i've mentioned this on other podcasts as well but it's just like when the bears are looking to bring in veteran quarterbacks or guys that already have a couple of years of experience under their belt they always look for players that have or quarterbacks specifically that have past coaching experience and you alluded to this John Filippo and Gardner Minshew worked together when Minshew mania burst onto the scene back in 2019 during Minshew's rookie season. And so that's something that I look at and I realize, well, maybe if you start connecting dots, you realize the Bears would go ahead and they effectively would trade for Gardner Minshew. Now, in terms of the return for the Jags, if you're the Jags, you know you're getting Trevor Lawrence. You know at that point, if you're – just getting ready to, or you just want to get rid of Gardner Minshew because it's going to be Trevor Lawrence's franchise moving forward. At that point, you just dump him for whatever, but I could definitely see the bears who do have four, six round picks, by the way, trading for Gardner Minshew, even though I know earlier in the off season, I alluded to this, that I don't want Gardner Minshew here as a starter, but as a backup, he'd be totally fine. Yeah. That's, that's was my thinking for it. You know, obviously Andy Dalton is still the starter for 2021, but Again, Gardner Minshew, I think he's an upgrade at the backup position. And Andy Dalton, he's a backup at the starter position. So all in all, like this isn't solving their long-term, a long-term solution at quarterback for this team. It really isn't. But if you're looking just to upgrade the quarterback room in the short term, I think Andy Dalton signing combined with a Gardner Minshew trade does so uh, by a pretty significant margin. It does improve the quarterback room quite a bit for the Bears going into next season. Uh, So that brings us to the sixth round here where, like you said, the Bears have four six-round picks. So I'll, I'll start with you at 204. Who's your first six-round pick here uh, in this part of the draft? I went ahead and I invested in some offensive linemen, and this is a player that I took in our original mock trust, and I figured let's take him again because the Bears need some competition on the interior offensive line. You have James Daniels. You have Cody Whitehair. You have Mustafir and Bars, but really you can't bank on Mustafir and Bars developing into much. Obviously, if they do, that's great, but you need to have somebody to push them. So I went with Michael Mennett, interior offensive lineman from Penn State. I know he's played center as well as I believe he has some experience at guard as well. But overall, he's just an above average athlete. All right. Now he figures out a way to shut interior defensive linemen and is pretty good when it comes to the second level and just getting to that second level to take all linebackers. Pretty good when it comes to moving in space overall. And then really did take on some double teams as well. But one thing that I think Menit really needs to improve on is just, you know, point of attack, right? Is he going to be the guy that's going to deliver the first blow and not get kind of manhandled? That's something that he really needs to improve on. So he really needs to go ahead and kind of learn to impose his will early and often. Kind of set the tone, essentially. 
Yeah, the Bears could certainly use more competition for Mustafer at center. There are some veteran options out there, but if you're looking for a guy in the draft, uh, Manette in the sixth round is great value. He's got, I think he's a guy that can step into the league right away and you'd be, you'd be fine with him as a starter at center. I really do. Um, that, that's a good pick to start the sixth round, I think, in my opinion. Uh, going towards my strategy here in the sixth round. So at this point in the sixth round, I had a lot of offensive linemen available to me that I thought I could get later with one of my other six round picks. So I wanted to address some other positions of need first before going offensive line, because I already addressed that uh, with Sam and Cosby in the first round. So at two Oh four, what I ended up doing here is getting another weapon here for this offense. And that's going with wide receiver to Terry out of Florida state. So as opposed to Dwayne Eskridge, who is more of a undersized slot wide receiver, more of a speed vertical threat, Tamorian Terry is a pure outside wide receiver. Uh, I think he's about 6'2", 6'3", uh, very well built together frame. Um, and the first thing you know about Terry is he is just very explosive. Uh, big playability, um, a guy that can just make a bunch of things happen after the catch and does have some deep threat ability as well. Um, big, big time player here. The problem with Terry here, and the reason why he's in the sixth round, because for me, he's a borderline third round talent in this draft class. Um, so he's a guy that I like a lot here um, with his value. He opted out of 2020, did not look very impressive in the, in the games that he did play. And he's one of these guys I feel like he kind of got lost in the Florida State program. It's, it's a program that's underachieved over the years. They have a lot of talented players there. And there are some, a lot of talented players in this draft class that came from Florida State. Uh, but, you know, Terry, you know, he's a guy that kind of got lost in there with bad quarterback play, a bad surroundings. I don't think they have the greatest coaching staff there at Florida State. So I think getting him to a situation with the Bears here to where he's going to be competing for a roster spot. You have a veteran like Allen Robinson on the roster that kind of shown the ropes a little bit with route running and some of the things that he kind of needs technical refinement with. Uh, he has a ton of upside. And if you give him the right situation, he could be a big play threat for you on the outside for a long time to come. So in the sixth round, I love his value here. And I think he's a guy that could be an absolute steal if he would fall this far in the draft. Terry's very interesting to me because going into this pre-draft process, I actually had him labeled as a guy who could be one of the best in this class. And I believe he did end up leaving. Florida State a bit earlier than expected to prepare for the NFL draft. But really, when you look at him, I mean, the guy is like six foot four, six foot five, about 205 pounds, I believe. So, really, someone that can, if he figures out his route running, then you're going to see a player that is going to be a really good option for some teams. And I'm saying I think his ceiling is a wide receiver two or three at best, but also a really good red zone threat. He kind of reminds me a bit of Packers wide receiver, Alan Lazard in the sense that coming out of college, all right, was not the most technically refined, got put into the right, got drafted into the right situation. And now he's really taken off and been a perfect compliment to a true number one wide receiver. Yeah. I, I can see that being the case. I see him as like an Alan Lazard with like a lot more speed. And, and I think that's the thing with Terry is he, he's got that size speed weight profile that you just can't teach. So if you can get him in the right situation, he's got a ton of explosive upside for you in your offense. So I think he's an upgrade to Javon Wims on the outside. Um, you know, the, the reason why he's dropping this far is not because of talent. He, he has a ton of talent here. There might be some other issues to kind of work with around with him, but talent wise, this is a home run pick uh, in my opinion. So that brings us to the second six round selection. Where'd you go with that one at 208? I went with Austin Watkins, a guy I highlighted as a sleeper. I think that you look at him, all right. Excellent. He's six foot one or six foot one, six foot two, about 210 pounds, has really good speed, moves real well for a guy his size, is physical, a really good route runner as well. Overall, he's just a solid prospect who played at a junior college and then transferred to UAB, which is why we don't hear about him more. But I like him mainly because when it comes to the ball in his hands after the catch, he's a dynamic playmaker in that aspect. And I think that when we look at the way that the NFL game is moving, kind of what's happening more so and more so is as a wide receiver, you need to be explosive and you need to be able to make plays after the catch in order to really carve out a starting role. I do think that Austin Watkins 
right now he would be the type of player who would be like in a training camp as a four or a wide receiver four or five on some team, but then really go ahead and further develop into a true two or a three. Yeah, also Watkins is a very fun, uh, interesting player because uh, he's at, he was down there at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and the first thing he knows about him is he just has very nice deep threat ability, knows how to separate vertically very well, and it's very interesting because he's more of an outside wide receiver, whereas Dwayne Eskridge is more of an inside slot wide receiver, I would think, at the next level. So the kind of you're kind of getting a similar skill set here with two guys that can take the top off of the defenses, but they can kind of play in different spots of the offense so uh i think that adds a lot of speed to the table adds a lot of deep threat ability to the table a lot of big playability to the table um awesome walk-ins in the sixth round that's very good value overall so my pick of 208 i went onto the defensive side of the ball to address the, the defensive backfield here uh keep in mind this is before uh, the uh Deshaun gibson signing so maybe this doesn't happen um in the, in the actual draft because the bears might not want to address the safety that much but i went with another safety here uh, it's my guy, Reed Blankenship, on Middle Tennessee State. Uh, somebody that, yeah, at a small school, not like an explosive, like elite athlete or anything, but just a very smart, tough player, uh, sound tackler, and he's very he's just, he's just perfect for what they want to do. I've talked about him plenty of times in the past, but Blankenship, I, I love his fit in this defense, and um, maybe he would sit for a year and just be a special teamer or compete for a spot on the, on the bottom of the roster, but – I think he could be a guy that could start sooner rather than later. If you can find a starter in the sixth round, uh, that is tremendous value. I think Blankenship could be one of those guys. Yeah, Reed Blankenship's a player that I just overall really like as a um, prospect as well. And I think that when we do look at just the state of the bear safety position you realize okay to sean gibson's back on a one-year deal you look at Dion bush deandre Houston carson they have not proven much of anything overall when you look at that you realize like maybe the bears need to develop draft and develop a safety to learn behind eddie jackson and to sean gibson and i think that reed blankenship being from middle tennessee state would be a perfect fit for what sean decides doing and the perfect type of player that gibson and jackson can mentor yeah, absolutely. You just want to add more depth to that safety room. They need a long-term solution there. And, you know, maybe Blake Chips the guy, maybe he isn't. We'll see what happens there. Uh, that brings us to the final two selections here. We'll go through these quickly. You said, who are your final two selections in the sixth round here for this draft? Final two selections, I went with offensive tackle Jalen Moore from Western Michigan. I know he's a player that not a lot of prospects or Bears of Bears analysts and just people in general have highlighted but I dug into his tape over the weekend as I was kind of finalizing my evaluations he's played in like 40 something games at Western Michigan is about six foot five 315 pounds has actually has 32 starts he is a really good blocker and a guy that has consistently started at left tackle um since 2018 is really good in pass protection moves very well in space as well and is a really good run blocker too that plays with an aggressive mindset i think he's a perfect fit in any type of nfl offense because he is really athletic as well i think when you look at him he's going to be one of those guys that's really being slept on right now but has a chance to burst onto the scene yeah john moore Spoiler, I did pick him as well. Um, he's a guy that brings a lot of versatility to the table. He's a guy that can play all five positions here. Um, so that, that brings me to my final two picks here. Uh, 221, I got cornerback Nate Hobbs out of Illinois. Uh, raw player, but extremely athletic. Just a very great athletic player here. Uh, tested very well his pro day. Can play inside or outside. Just more depth at the cornerback position. And then at 220, I did go with offensive lineman, Jalen uh, Moore. Like I said, he played left tackle in college. But he can play everywhere on the offensive line, in my opinion. He took snaps at, at his pro day at center. So maybe that's something where he could maybe challenge Mustafer for a starting job at center there. Who knows? Uh, but I do like him here better at guard. But, again, versatile player, um, good athletic ability. I like him there in the sixth round. My other six-round pick is actually Samar Jean St. Charles from Appalachian State. Again, a bit of a smaller school prospect, but I think someone that can come in and can push Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor, as well as Artie Burns and Trey Roberson, because Artie Burns is actually back in the fold for 2021. The Bears didn't make that official, but what they did do is tweet out a list of all the New Jersey numbers, and Artie Burns was number 24. Jean Charles, all right, um, 
started out his career as a special teams guy, but has really developed into an ideal small school outside cornerback. He's physical on the perimeter. Now there are questions and people do questions. People do question his length. All right. Is he going to be able to play on the outside in the NFL where you are playing with bigger and just stronger wide receivers, or is he going to have to transition to the slot or the nickel, let's say, in the inside or at the next level? Those are just questions I have, but really overall, just the player that is kind of slept on, one, because he's at a smaller school, but two, because it's such a deep cornerback class that you are having guys just completely slip through the cracks that you know any other year would probably be some of the best in this draft class or in the draft or just top 10 guys at their position. Yeah, absolutely. Shamarjan Charles, he's one of my favorite day three corners in this class. He did not test as well at his pro day athletically that I would have liked to see, but you know, it is what it is. I, I like his tape a lot. I thought he uh, played very well in his last season. Um, if he's available in the sixth round, I think he's a guy that I, I would definitely love the Bears to take a chance on. All right. That takes us to, I think the final session here for this episode, and that's kind of going over our mock drafts as a whole and evaluating them. Um, so you said, I'll start with you. Just go down your list of picks here. And uh, how would you evaluate it as a whole from um, your standpoint here? So I went with Trey Lance in round one, Dylan Regins in round two, Dwayne Eskridge in round three, round five. I went with cornerback Trey Brown round six. I went with center Mike Mennett from Penn state wide receiver, Austin Watkins from UAB tackle Jalen Moore from Western Michigan and Shamar Jean Charles cornerback from Appalachian state. I would say overall, this would be, be considered an A-plus haul for the Bears because really what you're getting is this, is you have your future, hopefully your future franchise quarterback, but then Redunes, Eskridge, those are two solid day one starters in my opinion. Redunes for sure, Eskridge is going to be a matter of can he beat out Anthony Miller. And then you look at the back half. So Brown, Mennett, Watkins, Moore, Gene, Charles, those are all players that essentially are going to be developmental pieces and those are guys that I think could really develop into solid starters beginning in 2022. So this draft for me was not just about finding ways to address needs right now, but really plug needs going into the future too, because the bears are going to have some needs in the future. You look at like center, for example, I mean, Cody white here is 28 years old. There's a chance that next year, Darnell Mooney and Riley Ridley are the only wide receivers under contract on the roster. Well, that's where guys, guys like Eskridge and Watkins come in. Charles Leno Jr. is getting older, so now you need a replacement with him. Well, that's Jalen Moore. And then just cornerback in general. If Builder and Shelley don't cut it, then you have options with Trey Brown and Shamar Jean Charles, as well as those are two guys that I think could take over for Desmond Trufant. Because right now, the Bears' best cornerback is Jalen Johnson. He's the future at the position, but they don't have anyone on the roster currently long-term, I think, that can take over for Desmond Trufant starting in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, getting the Trey Lance here, I think that's a home run, especially for that value in the first round for you. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that has as high of an upside as there is in this draft class at the quarterback position. And then on top of that, you get a guy like Dylan Redunds in the second round and Dwayne Eskridge in the third round. I mean, those are two impact players right away for the offense. So um, just I, I think that would be a home run draft if the Bears were able to pull that off, even if like any of the day three guys don't pan out. Um, just Trey Lance, I think he's a guy that could be an absolute stud at the next level, a guy that could be a top five, top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And if he ends up being the guy that we want him to be or that we think he can be, you know, it, it's automatically a home run draft already with that said right there. So uh, absolutely love that pick right there. Um, as a draft as a whole, I think it's very solid overall. Uh, and again, if Trey Lance is, the, is that dude, like, a plus 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 type of draft right there, especially for this Bears franchise. Uh, so for me, recapping my draft in the first round, I traded back with the New York Jets at 23 to pick up an additional fourth round pick to get Samuel Cosme off to tackle out of Texas. In the second round, Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State getting best player available on the board right there, another tight end for this uh, offensive, you know, offensive weaponry, so to speak. In the third round, wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan, explosive wide receiver, like you said, mentioned. Cornerback Ambry Thomas in the fourth round, a versatile player that can play either in the slot or outside. Fifth round, I traded the fifth round pick the Bears have to the Jacksonville Jaguars for Gardner Minshew, 
low-level uh, starter, but high-end backup in this league, young player on a cheap contract, a guy that um, provides the Bears some flexibility going into the future here. Definitely not a guy you want to build around, but a guy that you know could be a serviceable starter for the next couple of years after Andy Dalton here if they don't draft a quarterback in the, in the near future. And then the sixth round here, getting some more depth here um, at wide receiver with Tamari and Terry out of Florida State. Uh, and then the secondary, Reed Blankenship out of Middle Tennessee State, cornerback Nate Hobbs out of Illinois, and then offensive lineman Jalen Moore out of Western Michigan. So overall, when I look at my draft class as a whole, I think overall the off- offense uh, foundation here is so much better moving forward. Sam Cosme, I think he's a day one starter at left or right tackle, a long-term option at left tackle for you there as a starter there. Brett Farmuth with him and Cole Komet, you have your tight end duo or the future. Uh, you have your new guy, you have your Y. Uh, and then wide receiver, Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. I think he completes his wide receiver room. I, I really do. Um, I like him uh, with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney together. Obviously, you want to extend uh, Allen Robinson, obviously, to make that work long-term. But in the short term, uh, brings a lot of speed, a lot of explosiveness here to the table. And then in the secondary, getting Ambry Thomas, Reed Blankenship, Nate Hobbs, you know, I don't know if any of these guys will be long-term starters, but they're at least, I think, guys that have some upside here can provide some solid depth in the short term. And if one of these guys can be a long-term starter, that's a good haul for you on day three. Um, I already talked about Gardner Minshew. And then Tamarian Terry, I think he just has a ton of upside. He's a guy that could really boom in this class. Um, I like him quite a bit uh, as like a guy in the sixth round that could be an absolute steal. And then Jalen Moore, we kind of talked about him already. Uh, very versatile lineman that can kind of do it all. Uh, so you said, how would you kind of look at my draft as a whole here? I think your draft was really solid. Just looking at it, there was a fine line between what are some needs we have to fill, but then also when you did go best player available at times, I felt like there was also that because there was not necessarily a reach. I mean, you look at some of these players like the wide receiver Terry from Florida state, for example, that's excellent value in the sixth round as is guys like Reed Blankenship or Nate Hobbs, or even Jalen Moore from Western Michigan. I mean, those were some great picks because with the aging roster that the bears have, and they have a lot of money tied up in the defensive side of the ball, they're really going to have to rely on younger, cheaper players to carry the weight moving forward for the offense for at least the next year or two. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, they need to get a foundation on offense. And I think uh, with both of these drafts here, they do exactly that. I think either way, I would be happy as a Bears fan for either of these two drafts. We'll just see what happens here when it gets to draft night, because again, week away, uh, a lot of possibilities here. I think this is a good exercise to kind of get both perspectives here on trading up for a quarterback or trading down to kind of get some extra capital and kind of build things around a potential future move at quarterback. So a lot to like here. I think this episode as a whole, you said, that's a good way for us to conclude this episode uh, for Picks for Pace. You said, where can they follow you on Twitter and find your work? So, guys, you can follow me on Twitter and all my social media platforms at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report as well. I just dropped two scouting reports this past week on Jackson Carmen, offensive tackle from Clemson, and then right guard Ben Cleveland from Georgia. Those are two intriguing day two options for the Bears. Go check those out. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace, at Picks for Pace to get all of our updates and uh, everything along the draft going forward. It's going to be busy with the draft, obviously, in a week here. So we're really excited for that. I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in on all platforms. Uh, just a lot of fun stuff here coming up the next week. Uh, for our next episode, we're going to be doing a pre-draft special on Monday. We're going to have a special guest here. Uh, for that as well. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but before we get into that, man, let's just enjoy this weekend. A lot of rumors flying around, a lot of speculation. We'll see what happens here. Uh, but at the end of the day, have a great weekend, Bears fans. Bear down. Let's get going with this uh, draft here in a week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.